Have you ever had a what were you thinking moment before? Where you go, what in the world was I thinking? In fact, well, before we get into that thinking moment, uh, there, this box, uh, if you're like me, I house my change in uh, the little ashtray of my car. You put that in, or it's actually in the little handle sometimes as well. There's just change all over the place in my car, and that's, my kids know that. If you'd like to grab some of that change out and put it on your way out, the kids are going to be there in the circle uh, as you leave, and you can just drop that in. Do not feel pressure that you have to do that, okay? If you make eye t- contact with the kids, though, you're going to feel it, okay? And you're going to want to go give. Just going to throw that out there. Just avoid the eye contact if you have to. Uh, but it's a great cause, and we're, we're thankful today's Alabaster uh, Sunday. But uh, I don't know if you've ever had a, a what were you thinking moment. I thought about this back in fashion moments of my life, uh, where you think back and uh, have you ever looked back in some decades before this one and thought, what was I thinking? Now, growing up in Alabama, I had one of those moments when I grew a rat tail. Uh, yes. I don't know if the rat tail came to Texas, but when I look back, this is not me, uh, but mine was much longer and glorious, more glorious than that. Uh, but I had a rat tail, and I think, what in the world was I thinking? Uh, maybe uh, you thought that was some fashion choices, bell bottoms or overalls in the 90s, just like took over, and everyone had them. Uh, maybe you had one of those moments. Uh, and in fact, with our hair, it, things change. Maybe even you're a beard person now, and I just want to tell you that at one day, I, I do believe that the beard will probably be like the mullet, and we'll look back and, and we'll see that uh, with pictures. You'll be remembered that way, because I also had a mullet as well, if you've ever had a mullet, and, and you think, what was I thinking? Maybe you've had like a moment where you said something, and as soon as the words came out of your mouth, you're like... No, I want to get that word, those words back. We went dress shopping. When I mean we, I mean Melanie and I went dress shopping when we were first married uh, because that was a fun thing to do, to go to the mall. Remember malls? I remember those things uh, that we used to go to. And she came out with some Easter dresses, and I was supposed to comment on said Easter dress. This is a trap. You see it coming, guys, don't you? And she said, well, which of these dresses do you like? best. All of them, man. That's wisdom speaking right there. That's wisdom. You know what I said? Well, I kind of like the first one, but this one you have on now really doesn't do anything for me. Silence. Silence. That was the last time we went dress shopping uh, together, ever. Have you ever said something, guys, to your wife that you just, as the, you were like, stop, why are you talking? And you could not get it back. Or maybe you were the, uh, the guy or the girl that said, hey, congratulations, when are you expecting? Stop. What were you thinking in that moment? I don't know. Sometimes we don't think, and, and, and we have to learn the hard way, don't we? But with the things that we think, it matters. It matters. A.W. Tozer famously said uh, this quote, and we've, we've, we've talked about it a little bit. It says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because thoughts shape us. They shape who we are, and they also shape our actions as well, the way that we act. Because if you think that God is very distant and far away, 
then you'll act very distant and far away from God. If you think that God is the kid with the magnifying glass that's burning the ants, there's, there's fear there. And, and, and the, the desire is not to come closer, but to, to, to run away from that, that kid. The things that you think. So if you think that God is some good luck charm that we just kind of go to when things get really bad, or I have a test that I didn't study for, well, that's when I, I pull out the, guard, the God card because he's, you know, he's good luck, and I'll just say a prayer and, and hope for the best. But, but that's, not who, that's not who God is. So Proverbs tells us this, be careful what you think because your thoughts, they run your life. And so today's big idea is this, your beliefs drive your behavior, and your thoughts affect the way you live. One more time, your beliefs, they drive your behavior, and your thoughts affect the way you live. And so what we want to do now for the next few minutes is we want to pray that the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, would form our thoughts in our minds. So would you pray with me that God would help us to do that? Father, Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak this morning. Lord, we don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from you. God, I pray that your spirit would interact in hearts and minds through your word and in a powerful way. Lord, form us and shape us into who you've called us to be, your disciples. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today's Alabaster Sunday, so God was kind of pushing me toward a text that, that is where we get this alabaster idea from. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, it's the story of the first alabaster offering. Luke chapter 7, Jesus has been, has been invited to a dinner. So we'll read together. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. That was a custom that they did. They would recline at the table. A woman in the town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So here's the scene. Jesus has been invited to this dinner, this Pharisee. We know his name is Simon. And we know that it's Simon and Jesus. And there are some other guests that are kind of nameless in the room. We don't know exactly who's there. We don't even know if it's before or after the meal. But they're at this, the, the table and Jesus is reclining, which was a, a customary thing that they would do. And suddenly another character comes into this room. The, the woman that lived a, a sinful life, she stood behind Jesus at his feet, and she is weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. This is a shocking scene. Like, plates probably dropped when this woman came into the room and began this act. Suddenly, the, the, the conversation stopped, and now they're just kind of whispers around the room. What is happening here What's going on here? So the question is, what was he thinking? What was Simon thinking? You know, Simon, the one that invited Jesus there, he's a Pharisee. Now, what is a Pharisee? A Pharisee is someone that is really good at the law, keeping the law of God. He's someone that is, is a great counter, one that, that keeps up with, with every single law and verse. And as she is coming into the room, I just put myself in this place. What is, he what is she possibly thinking? She's interrupting my dinner, interrupting this space, interrupting this. She's not even invited. And here she is. And who is she? She's a sinner of all people. In my house, a sinner 
is here. See, Pharisees, they were really, really good at counting. I don't know if you have had kids before that have played youth soccer or youth anything. Uh, at, there's a certain age level that you don't keep score, okay? Uh, Briley is now uh, playing kindergarten uh, soccer, and they don't keep score uh, at that level. But we know something, don't we, parents, or those who have attended these games? We keep score, don't we? Right? We know there's a running score in our, our minds, okay? I know the score, and I can tell you the other dads and moms at the game that know the score. How many of you always keep score at such events? It's okay. It's a safe place, all right? The Pharisees, they were great at keeping score. They would keep score not only of their life and their sins, and, 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 but other people as well. I imagine maybe even these guys had, had lists of the names of the people in town. And every time someone would sin, there was a, a mark by a name. Well, there's, there's this, there's that, there's this. And for some people like this woman, they just stopped keeping score because it didn't matter anymore. The score was too great. There was, there was just no way that she could possibly justify or, or make things up for, for, for how she had lived because obviously everyone knew who she was. She was, she was a sinner. And, and, and right there, it just kind of indicates his thoughts. And, and not only on her, but on God as well. He says this statement because he's thinking something in his mind. He thinks this. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this is verse 29, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. But Jesus has this ability. I don't know, and it begs the question, if you could have a super ability, what would it be? One of those abilities that Jesus has is that he can read your thoughts. He can read your mind. And so he reads the thoughts and, and knows what Simon is thinking in this moment there at the table. And he's keeping score. And the score is too great. There's not enough good things that this woman could possibly do to make up for the bad. Because there's a list of good and there's a list of bad. That's the score of everyone's life, right? That's the score. How many good things have you done? How many bad things have you done? And if you've done enough good things and those outweigh the bad, then one day, one day, you know what? Maybe, probably, well, most all likely, because we're all good people, right? Go to heaven. Now, how many of you like pranks? Is anybody a prankster? The older I get, the less I like pranks uh, because... Oftentimes, they're done on me. I like it when their pranks are done on someone else, right, when I'm a part of the prank. Uh, but pranks are fun when you're in on the gag. There is a show that my son tells me about. It's called Walk the Prank uh, on Disney. Have you heard of the show before? It's basically when kids are part of the gag, and they are pranking, like, babysitters or parents or other people. Yes, I know you're, you're thinking this is a terrible idea for a show. Uh, but these kids are, are in on it, and basically the gag for this clip I'm about to show you is, is this. They have an, an hired a babysitter for these kids. This babysitter is clueless, and they have set up this stunt where the pig man is under the bed, okay? And so there's a, well, you'll just see for yourself. Go. We love pranks when they are on other people, right? And we love to watch it, too. So here's the thing, is I thought about this show and I thought about uh, this passage, it's what's come to mind. 
I got I to gotta tell you, I think, I think the devil, our enemy, he's pulling one of the best pranks than you can imagine. He is convinced, he's convinced the world in many ways that if you're just good enough, if you do enough good stuff, they were a good person, then, then you're saved, right? But that's the prank. That's the prank. None of us are good enough. Hey, Jesus tells the story. He goes and says, Simon, I have something to tell you, because he, he heard Simon's thoughts. He said, tell me, teacher, there are two people that owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And the answer is yes, you're correct. But did you catch the key line here? The key line of the story is this. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave them both. Both debts, both people that owed money, they both, they could not pay it back. It doesn't matter how big the list is. You can't pay it back because something our sin does to us, it has consequences. We know that. There's consequences in this world when we sin, we hurt people, we hurt ourselves, but there's also an eternal consequence. Romans 6.23 says it this way. This will be a familiar verse to you. For the wages... Or the thing that you earn from, from our sin, it's death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the reality is that we've all had what were we thinking moments. Not just, ha ha, I can't believe I said that. But there have been moments where we go, what was I thinking? I, I can't believe I did that. You, I never thought I would do that. I never thought I would say that. I never thought I would go there. And you find yourself at the very end of it going, how did I get myself here? What was, what was I thinking? What, we've had what, were, what was I thinking relationships. We've, we've had what was I thinking days. We've had what was I thinking moments. We've had what was I thinking maybe even decades where we thought, what in the world, what, what, what did I do? And these mistakes that we've had, we, we know about those things. But here is the good news, and it is great news. It's not just great wisdom or great advice. This is great news. We were made right. How? By our, our good works or our good acts or our good deeds? Or No. We're, we're made right by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who they are. It doesn't matter how long the list is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the moment that you said, what was I thinking? And I went past it anyway. It doesn't matter who it was, what you've done. For everyone has sinned. There's not a person in this room that hasn't had that moment. We all have fallen short of God's glory. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians this way, God saved you by grace. When you believed, when you put your faith, your trust in him, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. You can't, take, you can't boast about it, you can't take credit about it. It's that moment where somebody comes to you and goes, I have a gift for you. Maybe it was Christmas, and you're like, there's this box. They're like, I have a gift for you. And you immediately go, 
I don't have anything for you. I wish that I would have known that we were going to do this little exchange here. Have you had that moment before? And you have to just receive it. Because this gift that God gives you and offers you, it's nothing that you can give back. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. It is a free gift that God gives us. It's beautiful. And he keeps going, he says, this gift of God, it's salvation. It's not a reward for good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. None of us can boast about it. So keep it on with the story. Then he, he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I, I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as great her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, did she say your, your act has saved you? Your, your, this, this thing that you've done for me has saved me? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. So what was Simon thinking about God? Well, we can see it in his actions. He didn't give the customary greeting. He invited Jesus into his home, into his house, and at that moment he was supposed to kiss him. There was no kiss. He was supposed to offer to wash his feet. He didn't wash his feet. He didn't bless him or thank him with a, this blessing of oil. He did none of that. He just, he didn't even know that he was there. The guy that had been studying the law all of his life, had been coming to church all his life, he'd never missed a Sunday, didn't even see that Jesus was at his table with him. So what was she thinking? What, what was she thinking? There was this um, uh, church that I was in in Florida, in Vero. Uh, we would do these Passion Easter programs every year. And uh, these were focused on most, you know, the, the events leading up to the cross. And great, uh, there were some great moments from that. I will tell you, I, there was just something about me that like resists cheesiness, uh, and there was a high cheese factor, okay, in the acting and the scripts, okay? And so because I was on staff, and, and when you're on staff at a church, uh, when the pastor who, I'm, who I love dearly, who's a mentor to me, asked you to do something, you have no other choice but to say, absolutely, I would love to do that, Okay? And that would involve me acting in these things in full costume with makeup uh, of people back in the day, most often disciples or other things. I was not Jesus, okay? You know why I wasn't Jesus? The cross was about five foot eight, and you could had to be about five foot six, so we had to find a five foot six Jesus. Uh, and that's a totally other story, and it involved us putting makeup and all, just... Anyway, uh, but, but when you do that, you, what do you do naturally? You, you recruit others to be involved, and I enforced our intern to also act in this. That would be our friend Eddie uh, said, you absolutely will join me in this. And, and there were moments that were great, and there were moments that kind of make you cringe, but it was overall very good. But there, would, there was always a moment that I would look forward to. 
there was a song that we would sing. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of her before, but C.C. Winans, uh, maybe one of the best voices that no one maybe has ever heard of, and she sings this song, Alabaster Jar Box. Thank you. And when you hear this song, I mean, we would act out this scene, and a woman would come in and, and begin to wash Jesus' feet, and, 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 and with her hair dry, Jesus' and, and in my mind, I can't, I can't even describe it very well to you, but when I would see that, and when I would hear this song right here, you want to hear the rest, don't you? You have to go home and YouTube it. It's a powerful scene. Can you see it in your mind? Can you see this woman? She will not be stopped. She can't even speak. She's so emotional. She's gotten a hold of something in her life. We know that she's a sinner. Well, what does that mean? Most likely, she was a prostitute. And people knew that. So she knew when she came into that room, there would be, oh, we know she is. But that would not stop her. That wouldn't stop her. She, she had a, a mission. She had to do what she did that day. She, had, she came into the room. She took this alabaster jar full of perfume, an expensive jar. She broke it open, and she began to anoint Jesus' feet, wash his feet. Why did she have to wash his feet with her tears in her hair? Because no one had washed Jesus' feet up until that point. And this beautiful, why did she, what was she thinking? I think she got a hold of Jesus' love for her. She realized, she grasped how much God loved her and that God's love is unconditional. Think about that. God's love is unconditional. You can't do anything to earn it and you can't do anything to lose it. And all of her life, she'd been trying to earn love in all the wrong ways. And she came across a person that gave her love unconditionally and her response could not be controlled. I watched this, I watched this, uh, the Emmys last Sunday, and there was a speech that just, I just happened to catch. It was just kind of back and forth between channels. And Julia Louis Dreyfus, she gets this award. I don't know if you saw that. And it was just like every award speech, it was just full of thank yous. And then all of a sudden, she said something that it just grabbed me. She said, My father died on Friday. And I'm so glad. <laughs> that he got to watch the show, that she was on Veep. And I'm glad that she, he liked it because his opinion is the only one that matters. And she realized, this woman realized that the only opinion that matters is God's. And his opinion of her was great. And then his love for her was unconditional. And when she got a hold of that, she had to react because our actions are influenced by the way that we think and the way that what we believe, and she acted upon that. So, I've been thinking about this week, so how do people act when they get a hold of this love, when they realize that God is generous, when they realize, when people realize that God's love is immense, when God's blessings are too many to count, how do people, how do people react? Well, Jesus tells us this, there's a defining mark for Christians. The defining mark is this, you will be known for one of my disciples and how you, you love one another. How you love one another. If you love one another, then, then, then people will know that, that you are with me. If you're like me, then they'll know that, that, that you're, you're with me. 
There is something that I passed at the airport, and maybe you've seen it several times. Um, it's this, I, I don't, I'm sure there's a better name for it, but the Shoe Shining Station here. Have you ever seen that before uh, at the airport or somewhere, other place? I, I rarely actually see people getting their shoes shined there. But there's a question that's always, just, just some reason God always pops into my mind when I see one of these places. I don't know what jumps into your mind. The question is this. Do you feel more comfortable sitting in the chair getting your shoes shined or being the person shining the shoes? Which one do you feel more comfortable being? Which one would you rather, which one? See, what I think when I see Jesus' life, he's the guy that likes to shine shoes. In fact, he did it. He pulled this water basin out one time. You're not going to believe it. His disciples, he went around and he washed their feet and said, you go and do likewise. People who get it, who understand that God's love is generous and God's grace is immense, they serve just like Jesus serves. And they do it in amazing, amazing ways. Did you hear that story a couple of years ago? When, remember when Ebola was on the news everywhere? There was a story of this doctor with a group called Samaritan's Purse. He's from Texas. And where did he go? Even though he had a family at home, in Texas, he went over to Liberia, Monrovia, and during that time where he's helping to, to, to treat those with e- Ebola, he, he, he contracts the disease. And then there was this conversation, well, what do we do? Why did he go over there? Why did he have to go over to a place where there was this disease and, and 90% of people that it contracted won't be cured? Why did he, why did he do that? There was a, a commentator from a newspaper columnist, and he said this. And some were even saying this. We should just, we should just leave him over there. We should just leave him over there. This is what news, one newspaper columnist said. I see little difference between leaving Kent and Liberia and soldiers leaving a downed comrade on the battlefield simply because he's too dangerous to retrieve. They are our surrogates. They volunteer for the dirty and brutal work. While we watch from a distance, they expose themselves and risk their safety for the great battles beyond our borders. They are the true elite among us. While we pray for a miraculous healing, we stand in awe of his magnificent Christian example and his generous heart. This is a secular newspaper. And his generous heart, we are inspired by his sacrifice. These are Kent's words when he was... Uh, being treated and didn't know what the outcome would be. It's frightening, a frightening thing to think, thing to know you're encountering the most deadly virus known to man, he said. I have been called by God to serve him with the gifts, skills, and talents he has given me. And he has called me to serve him in places where the need is great and others may not be willing to go. I am confident in this calling, and therefore I can be confident in my circumstances. That's what Dr. Kent said. You see, something that happened for that woman that day, she, when she pulled her hair down, that seems like an odd detail to put in and begin to, to wash Jesus' feet. That was a complete no-no in those days, to, to put your hair down, which sounds, you know, putting your hair down. That was something that women didn't do. It was this, this act of vulnerability. And when we serve and we respond to God's generosity, it calls us to be vulnerable sometimes, to go to places that aren't easy, to speak of things in our life that are not easy to speak about, to serve in places that aren't easy to serve. I, I love uh, listening. Uh, there's a 
there's a Nazarene pastor, his name is Scott Daniels, he's a professor, and he tells a story about this kid uh, that was in his class once. And, and one day he gets one of those calls from a parent, it's an angry parent, and the parent says, I don't know what you're teaching in that, cl- that Christian college of yours, but all I know is that my kid has come home this summer, and he wants to go over to India, and he wants to feed the poor. Can you believe that? He wants to go to India. What have you told my kid? What have you said to him to make him, to make him want to do this? And Professor Daniels is, is taking all of this in, and, and he says, well... And sometimes, he says, sometimes lines just come to you at just the right time. He says, I'm sorry, ma'am, I was confused. I thought you sent your kid to a Christian college to become more like Christ. Silence, awkwardness. Sometimes Jesus calls us to do things that puts us in vulnerable places. Sometimes that means sharing our story so that others can be encouraged by it. Sometimes it means serving others, loving others in, in generous ways. Sometimes it means being generous in our grace. We extend to other people. Because we have, who have been forgiven much are called to forgive others. And we know that. We, we hear that scripture that says, well, well, if I don't forgive others, if I don't forgive people that have hurt me, then I don't, I don't get God's grace in my life. Now, the way I view that and the way I see that scripture is this. If you understand God's generous grace and what he's done for you, it makes it possible to forgive others that have hurt you. It doesn't make it easy, but when you get a hold of God's generous grace in your life, it makes it possible to extend that grace to others. She praises God. She thanks God. She thanks Jesus in that moment. And so there's this moment of gratitude. People that get God's, that God's generous, that he's generous with his grace and with his blessings and his gifts and his mercies, they want to praise God and want to thank God. There's a movie I just saw. We're going to end here. The worship band's coming up. Uh, there's a movie I saw this weekend, uh, Sully. Did anybody see that movie yet? About the, the, pat, the captain of the ship or the uh, airplane a few years ago. And uh, he's the, the pilot that with, I think, 155 people on board of the, the Airbus makes the emergency landing in the Hudson. And spoiler alert, they all make it out, okay? Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it, 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 it's kind of news, it's fact already. But it's a cool movie to, to watch. And, and, and uh, there's a picture, the actual picture of this landing there in the Hudson where after two bird, or birds, many birds, go into the engine of the plane, the, the engines are, are knocked out. And so there's this hopeless moment. Can you imagine being on that plane? <laughs> the thoughts that are running through your minds. Can you imagine just family worries, things that, that just would just pass through life that quickly? What's next? Is this it? And he um, just miraculously is able to land this thing uh, in, in the Hudson River. And so one of my favorite parts of the movie is this. There's just random people. Uh, at first, it's the people on the plane. And they're just, I mean, they just can't even, they just, thank you. Relatives, people. 
they're just, and he doesn't know how to take it. He's just like, because he's just really a humble guy. And he just, all these people coming up to, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're a hero. You know, I would think if I was on that airplane, the day afterwards, the day of, I would just, I, I wouldn't be able to get that off my mind. I'd be so grateful and so thankful for this, this pilot that, that did this. And then a couple of days would go by, and I would probably think about it a couple times during the day, and I would be grateful, and I'd be thankful. Then in a couple of weeks would go by, and I'd probably think about it every now and then. But before you know it, it's now been a couple of years. And I wonder how often there's these, these moments of gratitude. When you think about what Jesus Christ has done for us, it's, it's not just an act, a one-time event, and it, it was an amazing event on the cross. Because it's because of the cross, we all can be saved. But God provides blessing after blessing after blessing into our life. He is so generous into us, for us. The mercies that he has for us are new every day. So our response to that is to praise and to extend that generosity to other people. This morning, uh, we're going to go to the Lord's table, and it's a physical reminder of God's immense grace in our lives. It's a reminder that he loved us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us to give us a gift, a gift of peace, a a gift of forgiveness, a gift of eternal life found in him. So the response this morning for you is this, just to... Take a few seconds. The way we uh, serve communion this morning, uh, or we do here, we, we, go, we, we have communion about once a month, and we have a plate and a, and a cup, and we're reminded of the night that Jesus was betrayed. And in a few minutes, someone's going to come up, and they're going to serve uh, the first person. And there's pieces of bread. You'll take a piece of bread, you'll dip it in the cup, and you, you'll take, and you'll remember. But in, in this way, we remember what Christ has done for us. So take a few minutes. Thank God for his generosity in his life. And I want you to also think about ways that you can be generous to others. Today, as you you get ready to come, maybe the question for you is this. For a long time, you've looked at that list of the things that you've done, and you've thought, there's just too many things on that list. I can't earn it back. I'm not good enough. God's grace is for you. So this morning as you take, take and be thankful. Lord, that his grace is sufficient for all of us. You're going to take and receive it, and then you're going to pass it back to the, the, the person, and you're going to serve the person behind you because we reciprocate God's grace. Would you pray with me? God, you're good to us, Lord. I thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for your generosity. You are a generous God. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us, God, when we get so busy looking at what others have, that we forget the blessings that we have in our life. God, we forget the grace, the rescuing grace in our life. God, I pray for the person in the room that that doesn't know you yet, that doesn't know your love, that hasn't experienced it firsthand. God, I pray that they would get it. They would get a glimpse of your love, that they would accept your free gift of salvation through faith, through belief in you, not through any kind of work, but through faith. Lord, I pray that we respond by being generous to other people, Lord. 
God, bless us in this time, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Would you sing? When you feel like you're ready to come and receive, I invite you to come to the table this morning. Just a whisper, you breathe in me a new song. You take me back, and I'll remember the joy of my first love. Praise will be my song. How can I contain it? I cannot contain this love. Praise will be my song. How can I contain it? I cannot contain this
cannot contain it. I cannot contain this love. Praise will be my song. How can I contain it? I cannot contain this love. Would you stand with me? Has, has God been good to you? Has he? There was a, uh, my, my grandfather would, would take uh, cousins out sometimes and we'd look at the stars and there were about five or six of us and we'd look out and he tried to show us one night the Big Dipper. And like he tried and tried and tried and, and one co- cousin, oh yeah, I see it now, I see it. The next cousin, the next cousin, I see it, I see it. And I could not for the life of me see this Big Dipper where I just saw a bunch of stars in, out there. And finally, after three or four attempts of showing me the Big Dipper, uh, I, my grandfather said, do you see it yet? Do you see it? And I said, yes, I absolutely saw it, which I, of course, did not. I was just tired of being asked. And finally, one day, I looked up in the sky, and it just hit me. I saw it. There it is. I get it. The four stars and the little the, the handle, and yes, I see it. it was, and when I saw it, guess what I wanted to do? I wanted to show everyone else. That's the Big Dipper. Can you see it? It's awesome. It's amazing. Here's the thing. I hope that you get it. I hope you see it. I hope you grasp God's love and grace for you. His generosity in your life. I hope that you see it so that you can show others. Now, we're going to try to start something new. At the very end of every service, we're going to have kind of a a group benediction. And I want us to all say this together, and then we're going to turn around and, and... and visit with each other. Here it is. Here's the benediction. Let's read together. In response to God's great love for us, may we live this week with radical generosity, reflecting our gracious Lord who has given to us grace, gifts, and love beyond measure. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ.